You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Well, good morning, church. So good to have you here with us today. If you're visiting, welcome to Kingsway. You picked a really weird Sunday to visit us today. We're going to be back in the book of Luke. If you uh, don't, again, if you're visiting, you wouldn't know this, but we're just walking away through the book of Luke. And uh, today, our text takes us to these weird things called demons. And so we're not going to ignore it. We're not going to avoid anything the text brings to us. We're going to talk about, aren't you glad you picked today to be the day you invited your friend or family member or neighbor to be here? But I just want you to know at Kingsway, we will not dodge the hard questions. We will deal with them as best as we know how to deal with them. So if you're watching at home online, hopefully you you haven't turned this off yet, tune in, and let's just see together if God has something in store for us today. Ready? So go ahead and open your Bible, if you have one, to Luke chapter 4, and we're going to be in verse 31 to start, and let me just bring everybody else up to speed who's been visiting with us today. Ready? So where we've been going, just walking through the book of Luke, and last week, Jesus left off in his hometown where he was raised as a young boy in the town called Nazareth. Nazareth is about three to five mile day journey uh, south and... West, had to think about a map for a second, uh, from where he'll be this week, which is in an area called Capernaum. Some say Capernaum. I don't really care which one you say. When it comes to Bible words, if you aren't sure how to pronounce it, act like you know how to pronounce it, and everybody will think you know what you're talking about. So we're going to go with Capernaum because that's what it looks like to me. So anyway, I got to visit this area a year ago when I went to Israel for the first time. And later in today's text, we will go to a place that you can actually see. If you want to Google it later today, you can actually look it up. But we'll get to all that. Ready? Here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Then he, that's Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee. And on the Sabbath, he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. There's a couple things. This is probably the best way to understand the rest of what's about to happen here. This little phrase here, because his words had authority, what you're about to see is Jesus is going to exert his authority over various things. One of them is going to be that demonic thing going on I told you about, but that's what you're going to see. And the point, the point to all of it is so that when you look at Jesus, you understand he's not just another teacher. In fact, in Jesus' day, boys would align themselves usually under one of two great rabbis. Then what they would do is they would learn under those rabbis, learn their teachings, and then they would quote them. So when you get to hard text, because remember, there is no what we call New Testament. Matthew through Revelation doesn't exist yet. So Jesus has those other 39 books, and they study them. And then one of these guys, his name is Gamaliel, and he would be quoted. And he would say, well, Gamaliel says blah, 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 blah. And this is how authority was divvied out in that day. But what we see from Jesus over and over and over again is he doesn't quote anybody else. He quotes himself. And that's part of what everybody is blown away about. Who are you? that you don't need to quote these two guys. Who are you that you think you have the right interpretation? Well, if you know you're not just another good teacher, but you are more than another good teacher, say the son of God himself, then you know your authority comes from heaven and you're standing on good ground. All right, let's keep reading. Ready? Luke chapter four, verse 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon. And here we are. An impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us? Us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come down to destroy us? 
I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Well, that'll scare anybody, right? The next family dinner, right? The next Christmas gathering. I mean, we all know who the black sheep of the family is most likely to say something like this. If you don't know, ah, you might skip the next family Christmas because it's you. But imagine you're sitting there and somebody, like, yeah, it'd be a little freaky, right? So here's the thing, like, like what are demons? Can we just get down to it for a minute? What are demons? Well, I'm not joking when I say uh, about a handful or so years ago, I've always had this curiosity. And so I thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go read everything I could read, listen, everything I could listen to, study as much as I can. I'm ballparking, but I would guess I've put 70 to 100 hours. That does not make me an expert. It means that I've read a lot more than most of you and I still have lots of questions. So there you go, right? That's all you're gonna hear today. No, 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 I'll give you a little more than that. People tend to land in the Christian world in one of three camps about how we understand demons. The first one, I don't buy into, I'll just tell you what it is. The first one is basically people say, yeah, 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 Way back in the day, 2,000 years ago, in the ancient world, people didn't understand the things they were dealing with. They didn't know how to deal with, say, viruses or bacteria or, or, or mental illness. And so they would just lump it all in the category and say, oh, it must be demonic influence. So it's their best way of understanding things that we understand because of science today. And what I would say is this doesn't hold water. Even if you just take the text, it doesn't hold water, even in today's stories. And, and I'll just give you a fast forward because later in today's story, Jesus rebukes a fever and it's not a demon. And so what it tells us is the New Testament is quite nuanced. There are things that are demonically influenced. There are things that are demon possession. And then there's a whole nother set of categories. Some people are born with certain defects. Some people have get sick and have illnesses and nowhere is it blamed that it's on a demon. People have normal sin and temptation in life. And what we do today, not, okay, not we like you or me necessarily, but in American Christianity, especially Hollywoodized American Christianity, we throw it all in one big pot and we stew it up together. And we say, it's all demonic. And there could be an element of truth, an element where it's influenced by demons in that kind of way, in the way of sin or temptation, but it has nothing to do with everything is not coming from a demon. That is not affirmed by scripture. And we'll deal with those as they come up. So we'll get more information, more conversation as we go. We won't avoid anything. You're like, well, you haven't told us anything. I know, but I throw that first category out the window, right? The second group, well, here's what I would say. This group, I think, makes some really, really, really valid scriptural points we don't have time to unpack today because it's not the focus of today, but it's not where I land ultimately, but I do think there's some things to look into and study here. Ready? We went through the book of Genesis last year. Quick overview. We didn't go through every like, little nuance of it, but we went through a big overview of the stories. There was one hard one. You can go back and listen. It would have been around October, September of last year. And uh, in Genesis chapter six, we see the sons of God have offsprings with the daughters of men. And Bible scholars interpret what that means in different ways as they're trying to figure it out. One of the common interpretations is that the sons of God refer to what is called these spiritual beings, and they had children with the daughters of men and created this special offspring referred to in Genesis 6 as the Nephilim. And where demons come from today is when the flood came and these creatures were uh, Killed in the flood, their spirits became disembodied. 
but they are not good. They are evil, and they are hybrid human spirit things, and this is where demons come from. There is good biblical reason to say that is a possibility. Uh, it's probably not where I land, but man, I, I tell you, I go back and forth. I go back and forth. It'd be another conversation for another day. And again, somebody told me the other day, they're like, you got to quit saying that just to have the conversation. Like, we don't have three hours. This is taking me 70 to 100 hours of study. But the third group, and this is where I land, demons are quite simply fallen angels. Fallen angels. Angels who have turned away from God and have turned against God and his plan, and they're influencing this world. Years ago, my wife went on a mission trip to Haiti. I, I can't remember now. She was in high school or college when she went. When they arrived, all through the night, they could hear these drums beating in the distance. When they asked their interpreter what was going on, he said it was the voodoo doctors, and they were pronouncing curses over them. There's a little bit of anxiety that comes up when you hear that. Like, it does make you ask this question, like, well, will it work? Do they have any power? Can they do anything to me? And the response they got from the interpreter is, no, 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 you're, you're fine because you have Jesus. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, Jesus says. Yeah, yeah. Now, the interpreter looked at them and said, you do have Jesus, right? <laughs> And we laugh because we do. See, not everybody necessarily visiting with us today or watching at home online has that confidence, that security that comes from Jesus. Jesus is going to say a lot about demons throughout the book of Luke, and we're going to deal with each one as he brings it to us. But this is real. We live in a war-torn world. We live in a battleground. Your battle is not against flesh and blood, Paul says but against the spiritual forces in the unseen realms. So the reason this is so important, I want you to hear me say this, church. When your husband or your wife is in an intense battle, you need to know it's spiritual. In some form or fashion, it's spiritual. It might be a battle with depression or anxiety. It might be a battle with lust or greed. Whatever it is, it is a spiritual battle. Peter says, we have an enemy, and like a roaring lion, he prowls around seeking whom he may devour. See, this ought to make us super vigilant for our children, realizing what they're dealing with at school in some way or another is a spiritual battle. Now, you're sitting there going, no, you just said everything isn't a demon. I don't believe everything is a demon, but I do believe some things are a demon. I think C.S. Lewis says it best. C.S. Lewis says it this way. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. The reality is, it's real. When it is and when it isn't, that's a tough one. It's hard. It's hard for everybody I know. So don't think you're alone if you're unsure. There are definitely some books and resources I don't recommend and some books and resources I do recommend, and if you need more information, you can feel free to email me. I won't point you to Brett Cadwell this time. You can just email me. Funny story, the other day, my wife wanted to uh, congratulate Brett on his sermon, and so she emailed him and just said, Matt's always saying we should email B. Cadwell, so I thought I'd email and just say, great sermon, and I thought, that's really funny. My wife was listening. Okay, <laughs> here's the thing. Years ago, my mentor was a missionary in Brazil, 
And uh, when he came to be my mentor, uh, I was in small groups and outreach as an intern. And my church brought him, he was a missionary they'd sent out and he had been in there for a long time and brought him back. And he was just on furlough. It's when a missionary takes a break, thinking he would go back, but God didn't let him do that. God kept him there. And he was my mentor for years. And Chris was his name. And, and Chris would tell these crazy stories about demonic things happening in Brazil. One of the first stories I just thought I'd share with you is Chris told a story that uh, when he went down there, he was literally having such an impact in the local community. But see, the, the gangs controlled everything where he was. And so as he was having an impact and these young men were coming to faith in Jesus and following his, his lead and his teachings, one of the local gangs got really angry at him. They made a pronouncement that they were gonna kill my friend on a certain day the next week. I don't remember the details of the story, but let's just say it was Tuesday. On Tuesday, we're gonna kill him. Tuesday came and they forgot. And you may say, that's no big deal, right? Okay, so what? People forget things all the time. But see, now this is their reputation on the line. It was such a known thing they were going to kill him that they let word out in the community that they were going to kill him. The church wanted him to leave, go back to the States, get out of there for a while, let things calm down, and then come back maybe. But he said, no, this is where God called me, and if this is what God has in store for me, so be it. So this local gang decided to do it again. They said another day they were going to kill him. Same thing with the church, same thing with my friend's response, and they forgot again. If I am telling the story, remember it correctly, because it's been a couple years since he's told me this story, I think it happened three times. After the third time, they finally decided to leave him alone because there was something different about him and they didn't know what it was. Now, I tell you that story because it sets the groundwork for some of the things that God did in him. I remember him telling me a story one time <clears throat> about this, this person and he put him in a chair in the room and they were, there was a lot of conversation led up to this, but it was believed this person had a demon in and my friend Chris was, had his hand on him, was just praying over him. There were other people around. And all of a sudden, the person just like shrieked, like yelled. And there was a, a window in the room, and it just shattered. And Chris and the others believed that the demon had come out of him and went out the window. Now, I'm not there. I don't have any video. I don't have any footage. I wouldn't know what, the, if I saw it, everybody would probably go, yeah, I don't know, right? Would it really matter? I don't know. And then what happened is, as Chris and I were working together at my last church, this lady kind of came up through, through the ministry that we were responsible for, and she said she believed that she had a demon. And so we gathered myself, and I'll never forget this, because I was still an intern. I was like 23 years old, just married, living in Colorado, and I was like, yeah, this is ministry. This is what I'm talking about. I didn't have a Bible college class on this. Let's go, Chris. Come on. So we had this lady. We brought her in. We put her in a chair. There was like three or four of us total, and, and I'm one of the guys. And, and Chris like prepped us and warned us, like, you better be prayed up. You better be spiritually ready coming into this. Like, don't play around. Like, be ready when you come in, and we encourage you to fast. I remember some of us fasted leading up to it. And we sat there, we prayed with this lady for like an hour, and man, I kept waiting, like, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. One of these moments, anything, something's gonna shriek. Like, I was a little scared and excited all at the same time. 30 minutes in, 40 minutes in, 50 minutes in, we hit that hour mark, nothing, nothing. Chris finally, like, kind of backed down the prayers for a time and said, let's talk for a minute about why you think you have a demon. We'd already been having a lot of conversation and she was crying and we were crying and it was just, it was powerful. The prayers that we prayed were like insightful in ways I, I can't explain, but we just started asking questions and it was revealed for the first time ever that she had been molested as a child. And our conversations changed from trying to cast out a demon to praying for healing and connecting her to ministries and resources that would help restore and rebuild what the enemy had tried to steal from her 
as a child. And so I walked away going, I didn't get to see anything cool. And then God had to get a hold of my heart and say, are you kidding me? Today, we begin to set a captive free. Because remember, when Jesus sends the disciples out, he's risen from the dead, and he's gone up into heaven. Right before he goes up into heaven, he says, go into all nations, make disciples, baptize them, and then command them to obey everything that I've taught you. And here's the thing. We win the war in the spiritual realm by proclaiming the name of Jesus and his teachings. So we don't always know when something is influenced by the enemy or whether there's a trauma that is in there. What happens when trauma comes into our lives? Say, perhaps like this lady, and there was a molestation issue. Is What happens is sometimes we make agreements with lies. Well, we know that Satan is the father of lies. And so what happens when we make those agreements with lies is we make agreements with these dark forces that we do not understand. Sometimes people make agreements with these dark forces through the games that they play. I'm just throwing this out as an example. Some through like Dungeons and Dragons, which... I played occasionally as a kid, but there are ways that we open doors we don't understand. We invite things in. We do these little chants or, or things that we think are totally harmless and innocent, but we don't understand the power behind which we are messing with. So what do we do? Well, first, we have to understand our enemy. In Revelation, Jesus says this, the great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Again, what I want to <clears throat> excuse me, anchor in your mind is this, where we're living, not Kingsway, but this earth is the devil's playground. He is called the prince of this world, the prince of this world. Now, Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're gonna see that in a minute because the prince and his minions, they all have to obey. They all have to obey. But there's this thing that we're living in right now. And Jesus says, come and set us free from the power of Satan, sin, and death. However, we're waiting for the final return when evil will be eternally vanquished, thrown into the pits of hell, bound in chains forever. We're waiting for that day. So we have the authority of our king, but right now we're living in this waiting period, waiting for Jesus to come and set everything new. That's what Easter's gonna be about this year, that God has come to make all things new. And what does that mean for us? Yeah, 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 yeah. What better time to celebrate that? So I know, I know, there's so many questions you have. Let me just deal with one big one, and I'm just gonna be quick, and I'll talk more through this series. So if you wanna hear more, you gotta come for like the next six months. That's my little trick, all right, ready? Here's the question. Can a Christian, can a Christian be tormented by a demon? And the answer is, depends on what you mean. God will not share his house with another. So God will not allow those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ to be possessed by a demon. Mm -mm. No, this is now his territory. This is his house. But can a Christian be tempted, tested, tormented, teased? You name it, absolutely, absolutely. Again, I don't always know. I don't always know when it is. What I do know is greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So I'm gonna turn to my father, draw near to him, resist the devil, and he has to flee. Yeah, amen. All right, now, that was a little, little half-hearted clap. Like, yes, now we're scared. Let's go home. Okay, 
Let's take us back to the text. We'll see where, where we have a story. Ready? Verse 35. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Do you hear the power with which? So this demon, whoever it is, whatever it is, is speaking. Have you come to do this to us? So there's more than one at least present, whether he's speaking about the community or this particular person, whatever it is, we don't know exactly. And Jesus says, stop it, shut up, get out of there. Notice there's no discussion. There's no debate. There's no arguing. When Jesus says, do it, it happens. Do you catch that? That's because Jesus has authority over all created things because he is the creator. See, the demons know this and shudder. That's what James tells us. Even the demons believe and shudder. But the thing is, James says the demons don't have faith. That's what sets us apart. We don't often shudder because we're not sure about Jesus. But when we figure it out, what it means is our faith leads us to action because we believe he is sovereign over everything. He created all things, all things under his rule and authority. That's why I share this verse a lot. But that's why in Colossians, Paul says this, for in him, this is Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, with our thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. Those are spiritual things he's referring to. So again, this is different things, different categories for what's happening in the spiritual world. The Jewish people had lots of books to kind of put things in categories. And what Paul is saying is it doesn't matter which category you're talking about. All things were created in him and for him and through him and by him. This is exactly what he says. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So if you're unsure as to whether or not you are possessed by Jesus, I'm using that word intentionally there, the best thing to do is to come forward here at Kingsway and say, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. What do I do now? We would love to have that conversation with you. In fact, I forgot to say this last service. So y'all get to be the blessed service. We had 20 people turn in a card last week just saying something similar to that, right? Yeah. Praise God. And it's never too late. It's never too late. All right, Luke chapter four, verse 36. All the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out and the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. As you can imagine, right? Word would travel pretty quickly. Imagine you've raised your whole life and you've seen this young boy we don't know how, I don't know how this works, but you always knew something's different or not right about this young boy. And then one day Jesus shows up and he casts a demon out. Now this young boy isn't a young boy, he's a young man. Maybe he's a late teenager. And he's a young man and Jesus casts a demon. Everybody goes, that's little, little Joey. Remember little Joey? Like he's been a terror to his parents. Do you see that? Some of you parents are like, I think my kid has a demon. No, that's not how this works. It's not how this works. And all of a sudden the word spread. Word spread. See, what we need to walk away with is not getting anxious, like looking behind every bush for a demon. What we need to know is that our, our authority comes from Jesus. Luke chapter four, verse 38. Jesus left the synagogue and he went to the home of Simon. This is the thing, you can Google it later today. When I was in Israel a year ago, I was gonna show it to you, but honestly, I don't think I took any pictures of this home because here's the thing. They'll tell you this is Simon's mother-in-law's home. I believe her Simon's home. His mother-in-law's there. I don't remember which home it is, if it's his or hers. 
but I don't know that we know that it's actually the home. I do know that it makes a lot of money from somebody who says it's Simon's home. I'm just being really honest with you because I don't ever want to pull the wool over your eyes. So what I do know is this home that they believe is the home over there, it's a home from the first century. It's a home that's in the right area in Capernaum. We have found the town. We have found, so it would at least look like this home, whether it's the exact home or not, I don't know. But if you feel like Googling it later, you can at least see the meager and humble way in which probably Peter would have lived back in the day. This is Simon Peter. It says, Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. We know that the early believers, we know that the first century people, they knew what a fever was. When Lazarus is about to die and Jesus said, he's sick and we gotta go visit him, and the disciples go, well, let him sleep. If he's got a fever, he's sick, he'll sleep it off. This means that her fever is so high that this isn't like, yeah, she'll sleep it off. This is like her fever is so high, she's probably going to die. And Simon's going, Jesus, like, can you please help a brother out? Like, can you hook me up? And what he does, and they asked Jesus to help her. Verse 39, so he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on him. Hmm, a couple things. You're gonna see in a few verses here, Jesus rebukes another demon. So he rebukes a fever and he rebukes a demon. And notice, it's the same word in the Greek for rebuke. And what it literally means is a stern calling out, an exhortation. This is exactly what we do when we open up our Bibles together and we exhort each other, when we sternly call each other out. It's the same kind of language that is used. When you see somebody caught in something that can ruin their life, you don't just gently deal with it, you very firmly deal with it. And Jesus deals with them separately. This is why I don't believe we can look at every fever and every sickness and say, oh, well, that has to be a demon. No. Jesus treats them both very similar, but he doesn't treat as though both are demonically influenced. Do you see the difference? I'm trying to speak to some of the Christians out there who just have a category where everything is demonically influenced. That's not what we see happening here. Wherever it is sicknesses came from, wherever it is that happened, I believe it's probably a result of the fall and of sin itself. That's what Paul says in Romans 8. Somebody just asked me recently about cancer. I can't explain cancer to you, but I know it won't be a part of heaven. I know that. Because Jesus will one day renew and restore all things. So we're dealing with them here, and Jesus is exerting his authority over everything here. So when Jesus heals, he does it completely and with authority. Notice that his mother-in-law, Simon's mother-in-law, not Jesus, she just gets up and immediately starts serving. Like, I don't know about you, but okay, so I was in Florida all week. I was doing this pastor's conference. I was leading three other pastors uh, and, and just growing and praying and, and the walk with the Lord. And I came home, I was tired. I didn't sleep much. It was a late travel day and it was a late travel home. and just exhausted. And so I was like, kids, we're gonna probably play a lot of video games today. I need sleep. I'm tired. And there was nothing I could do. I tried drinking so much caffeine. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. So much caffeine and it just didn't get me going. I was still Tired. This woman, she's had a high fever. You ever have a high fever and your fever breaks? Do you ever feel like getting up and just go ahead and being hospitable for everybody? No. You say, rub my feet and get me some Tylenol on a blanket. I'm just kidding. Maybe that's not what you say. This woman gets up and she just starts serving everybody because Jesus heals her completely. She didn't just have her fever break. She's whole. Luke 4, 40. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them, same word there, 
and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Well, that's an interesting phrase. He would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. Wouldn't you think that'd be the other way around? Like, yeah, why don't you guys go ahead and testify? But here's the thing. Jesus says Satan is the father of lies, and everything he says is always a lie. So he may speak 100% truth here, and then in the next sentence, 99% truth, and then in the next sentence, 80% truth, and the next sentence, 50% truth, and next thing you know. So if he allows them to testify right now, what happens when they start spinning things? Can you trust them? But there's something bigger going on, and I want you to hang on to that underlying part for just a moment, okay? Let me show you the next verse. But he said, oh, wait a minute, at daybreak, where am I? Yes, at daybreak, at daybreak. Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. So people are coming out, they're starting to hear about Jesus, word is spreading, they're excited. They've got sick people, they've got injured people, they've got demon-filled people, and they just want more of Jesus. But Jesus won't stay with them. They tried to keep him from leaving, but he left anyway. And the key to all of this is right here. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. You're gonna see throughout any of the gospels, but especially in Luke, it's Jesus' regular pattern to get up while it's still dark to spend time with his heavenly father. Jesus goes up on the mountain. He's got all these disciples and he needs to hear which are supposed to be the 12. And he hears from the father and he comes down the mountain and he chooses the 12. It's normal for Jesus. Right before he goes to the cross, he goes in the garden alone to pray. It is normal for Jesus to be in his father's presence to hear his marching orders for his life. So why did Jesus silence the demons and leave the hurting? That's the question, right? Why did he say to the demons, shut up? And then why do people say, don't leave us, don't leave us, we got more things? And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. He does this a lot in the book of Luke and Matthew and others. No, 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 I gotta go. And the answer is because Jesus has profound clarity about why he is here and what he is supposed to do. Profound clarity. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do because he heard it from his father. Notice in John chapter 14, this is right before Jesus goes to the cross. He's gathered the disciples. It's like the last things he's gonna say to them before he's arrested and crucified. He says this, I will not say much more to you for the prince of this world is coming. That's, he's talking about Satan. He has no hold over me. Let's think about the confidence the disciples need. They don't understand that he's about to be arrested and he's just trying to give them confidence. The prince of this world, he's doing some things, but just do not be anxious for me. Trust me, I'm in good hands. It won't look like it, but I am. I'm in good hands. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So it's gonna look like Satan won. Don't worry about it. I am being 100% obedient no matter how hard or painful it gets. I'm being obedient all the way to the end. And Jesus and Luke 4, 43 to 44. But he said to them, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So in other words, everybody wants to dictate Jesus's ministry to him. The demons want to be in charge. They want to be the ones to testify because then they can twist things. He goes, no, you have no power or authority here. You don't get to testify on my behalf. I will testify on my behalf. God will testify on my behalf. 
But then the people want to seize Jesus and make him do what they want him to do. And Jesus says, no, I obey my father and my father only, period. Let me ask you a question. Do you have that same kind of clarity and commitment in your life? I want that for you. We will deal more with this in just a few weeks when we get to the Sabbath, when Jesus is talking about the Sabbath. Listen, if you understand your clarity and your calling, do you know what you're supposed to be committed to? That when God directs your steps, you could say yes. And when you say yes to God, sometimes that means saying no to other things you really want to do. It's hard, but he'll take care of it. It might mean not spending money in certain places or going to certain things. It might mean disappointing family or friends or loved ones, but it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. We win the battle against our enemy by doing whatever our father has told us to do, period. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. That's it. So listen, if if this is you, you're gonna know this is you if you can answer that question because you're gonna know why God put you here. Here's the thing. Matt Nickerson, right? I know what I'm good at. I know what the Holy Spirit has gifted me in. I know the one or two, maybe on a good day, three things that I do well. I try to say no to everything else. So sometimes it's hard. I get invited to do things that are in my gift set, maybe those one or two top things, and then I have to wrestle with God. Like I got asked to speak at a camp this summer. That's the camp I grew up in. It's in my hometown. My home church goes to this camp. They're gonna be there. And I had to wrestle with, okay, but there's a cost to me going. There's a sacrifice my church makes by me not being here, by me giving of energy. I'm making a sacrifice for my family. God, is that something you're calling me to? So I have to pray about it and seek the face of the Lord and say, God, is this something you want me to do or is there somebody else? I always want to say yes to speaking, but there's only one me. See, I know why I'm here. I know what God has called me to do in the world. Do you? You'll know if you know. Because when God puts a call out there, you just feel drawn to the certain things and you can say no to other things. You feel the authority and the permission to go, no, I can let go of that because God didn't call me to that or call me to that in this season. Do you know that? I want you to know that. So let me put like a bow on all of this and bring it all together. Like put it in a blender, right? And stir this thing up and say, okay, what do we do with this? Jesus is Lord of all. You live in a real battlefield. We win the war against the enemy by teaching and preaching and proclaiming the good news of Jesus and then by all of us walking out of here and applying it to our lives. And so now I need to make this ask of you. Are you serving Jesus somewhere on this earth? Are you just going through life hoping it works out? Are you taking from other people's service and not giving back because that's not a church. That's America. God wants more and better. And I get it. There's a million reasons why you're too busy, you don't know enough, you weren't trained or skilled or whatever it is, but that's the rest of our job to prepare you to serve the Lord. So I just wanna encourage you with this right now. In front of you, everybody should have a card that looks like this. It just says serve on it. I just want you to pick it up, flip it over. There's two different versions of this out there because uh, we're trying to save money. So we've made improvements on it, but some of you have the unimproved version. 
But what you'll see is just a list of places where there are ways to serve in our church. I just want you to check one that you think may fit, or if you're not sure, just click check, not sure. Put your name, and then however you want us to be in touch with you, cell phone, email, whatever it is, and you may say, I have no idea. That's all right. It's our job to train you and prepare you to be ready. Listen, this is war. This is war. So let's go win the battle. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray over you. And while you look this card over and consider it, at the end of the service, I just want you to take the card, go by our Connect Hub and put them down. There's a pile of cards we got last service. I don't know what God's going to do with it. But why wait for somebody else to join God? Why don't you join him today? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, stir in this place, move in our hearts. God, I've been going over the head of our church now this week because I went straight to you. You said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up workers to send out into the fields. So God, we need people. We need people. Lord, I just pray that you would raise up, stir up men and women right now. They don't even know where they're gonna be needed or where they're gonna be used yet, but you're gonna take care of it. So God, stir up people right now. Stir up people who would respond. And God, all those silly excuses we give about why we're not ready or why we're not good enough or why we're too busy, God, help us to see ourselves on your team, in your battle against a real enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy every single little one who shows up here on a Sunday morning and they just need somebody to show them Jesus and love them. For adults in this room who've been brutalized by this world, traumatized by this world, and God, they just need to meet Jesus, but they need somebody to show up and love them. God, help us to see us on your team right now. In Jesus' name.